first, welcome inside the crazy ant farm, man. How are you tonight? Oh, it's good to be in here. I'm doing good, man. I'm just hanging on a Friday, working on some movies. Yeah, hell yeah, man. Well, we're super pumped to talk to you, dude. Devil's Peak looks intense as shit. So, you know, Billy Bob Thornton, man, he's a scary guy, man. So we're excited to talk about that. But we're also really excited to talk to you because, you know, you're behind the camera as well as in front of the camera, right? Acting, directing, producing. So uh, we're, we're going to dive well into that because we always love talking to people who are all in, you know, and not just one aspect or the other um but what we want to do to start off is uh do a little introduction for the listeners who might not be familiar with who you are um how did you get started man we 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 do do know that dad was in the industry as well right um was that how you kind of like oh i want to do this or did you fall into it did you run the other direction and say no way i'm doing that or talk about it man how'd you get started 100 percent. i mean your parents being in an industry any industry is kind of uh probably statistically, whatever, whether they're a dentist or whatever, I'm sure a high percentage of the kids of those folks end up in that industry for sure. So I grew up on set, was on set for longer than I can remember. It's like my baby pictures are on, you know, my dad's lap in a director's chair when I'm two years old. I don't remember meeting Chuck Norris, but I was there. Uh, (laughs) I got a picture to prove it. Uh, my brother's got a picture of Michelle Pfeiffer holding him in the, in the delivery room. Oh Uh, my goodness, man. (laughs) Which is pretty cool too. So let's say, yeah, I was, I was exposed to it from before I could remember. So naturally had a, had an inclination to gravitate towards that uh, line of work. I mean, just grew up everything movies, like all the time, watching movies, being on movie sets. I swear I was on set more than I was in school. Like I would miss school to go hang out on the set of Babylon 5 in particular, because I love that set. It was like six sound stages filled with spaceships. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> and I was 12. So it's like I lived there. Um so it, it was uh, it, it was pretty obvious that that's where I'd want to go. But um, have, having been exposed to that kind of world right away, I'm like, oh, this is going to be easy. It's what my dad does. I'll just do this. And I didn't want to start working until I graduated high school. So I didn't start looking for work until I was 18. Couldn't get any work until <laughs> I was about 21 because I had no training. I had observational experience. Right. And so after about two years and a thousand auditions and not getting shit, um, I'm like, all right, I, I called a couple uh, actors I knew and I said, what, what do you suggest? Like, obviously, I, I didn't I didn't realize when I was 18 how highly trained and specialized everybody on a movie set is, including the actors. Right. And so I learned the hard way that uh, just because I grew up in the industry, nobody's going to give me a shot without knowing what the fuck I'm doing. So I, I took a year or so to figure out what the fuck I'm doing and, and continued. I studied super hard for like four years, but after about a year in school, of studying everything, I just started working nonstop. And I would have kept kept studying because I love that environment. But after four years, I ended up being on set every day. And that was 20 years ago or something. Now. Oh, wow. for sure. And I feel like, yeah. you know, in this industry, it's all about who you know more than what you know a little bit. Um, so with kind of being a Nepo baby, I mean, did you <laughs> use that to your advantage a little bit? Like to be like, hey, I mean, I have this, you know, hands-on experience, but not this technicality class experience. Did you ever, like, put your dad's name out there? Uh, you know what? In a different way, because, yeah. like, he was, he was producing and directing, right? So it's like he um, like he was doing a – it was actually a, a nonprofit video for diabetes. Oh. Um, and I was – I think at that time I was 17, and he threw me in as a sound mixer because I was in bands and stuff, and so I knew that world. Yeah. And I ran really good sound. So, I mean, that counts. Um, and then, like, he uh, 
he did some smaller movies too where he'd throw me in a, a role. Like, I remember the first time I was on camera was on an episode of Babylon 5. And I was, I think, 15 at the time and he was directing the episode. And it was a background part. Like, yeah. But one of the 20 extras, me being one of them, got to be in the front of the camera and run with their gun out. And he's like, you go, because I'm his kid. And the other background had been working on that show for years were so mad at me. Like, <laughs> you just got here. That's not fair. And it's like, okay. But, but beyond like little nuggets like that, my dad wasn't famous enough where I could just be like, oh, my dad's Spielberg. Right. You know, let me, and having worked actually with a lot of kids whose parents were famous, it's not like you can't. The nepotism doesn't work without an ex- tremendous amount of talent mm. and discipline. Right. Really. It's, somebody's famous regardless of who their parents are, whether it's Kate Hudson um, or Colin Hanks. It's like those fuckers are trained hardcore and they work their asses off because I know a lot of kids of famous parents who didn't do the training and didn't work their asses off and they're not getting the opportunities uh, that some other people are. That's an excellent suck, point. Yeah, exactly. like, um, yeah. Yeah. It's like if you suck, you got a bad attitude. You're not a pleasure to be around. It's like nobody's going to call you to come to set. Exactly. And and I love that you say that. I love that you bring that up because that's a reality for anybody trying to get into this industry, even if you are the kid of a famous person. You know, you got to bring your stuff. You got to show that you've got the talent. You got to be a decent person. People got to like you because, you know, nobody wants to work with an asshole. Like, it's just. No, it's, especially nowadays. Like, I feel like it used to, like in the 90s, maybe before social media, it used to be more tolerable. But. Now, if you're a difficult person to work with, no matter what department you're in, it gets around pretty quick and you're not going to keep Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So obviously, like you could just tell when you were talking early about the enthusiasm and the passion that you have about being on set, right? Like when you were a kid and all that, because I know, I know for us, like, and and for me, for sure that like, there's nothing that matches that feeling of being on a set, you know, regardless of what you're doing in front of the camera, behind the camera, it's like such an awesome feeling and such an awesome place to be. So having that and then getting the training and starting to get work and everything, did you have an avenue like, okay, I, I want to just be in front of the camera? Or did you know from the get-go that you were going to maybe transition behind the camera as well to do the directing and the producing? Because I got to be honest with you, producing, you don't hear a lot of people say, I want to be a producer because that's some hard shit, man. And like, yeah, you don't hear people fucker, say that. Dude. So so what was it? Did you think I'm going to act for a little bit and then make this move? Or did you even think that you would go behind the camera? Well, I, I, I joke about uh, that there's, but it's, there's truth in jest that there must be a shortage of good producers because I have, didn't go to college. I have zero experience. The only thing I'm trained in is acting. Yeah. But as soon as I started producing, which was not really intentional, um, like I can't, I, I can't, I can't get away from it. It's like my phone is constantly ringing me like, we need somebody to do this, please, like <laughs> to produce this thing. And I'm like, you think that more people would want to produce or at least be good at it enough for people to be calling them. But it's like, I'm an actor and apparently um, one of few people who can produce movies because there's a shortage of good producers. Right. Uh, not so much of good actors, a lot of good actors. Um, but to, no, to answer the question, like I, I only wanted to act 100%. I had no interest in anything else. However, my father had always put in my ear ever since I was little. He's like, I support you acting, but do something else because I can't tell you how stressful it was having two young kids and having to rely on auditions to get jobs. And, you know, if you're super hot for 10 years, which is, you know, goes in cycles, which he was from like the late seventies to the early nineties. Um, and then he lost a bunch of weight. And so he started having to audition again. He, he, you know, especially as I got older, he revealed to me how, how much anxiety he had, sure. like relying on other people. So he's like, just do other things. And now he said, ah, fuck it. I'm going to be bigger than Johnny Depp. 
Um, but it was always still in the back of my mind. And then when I was in scene study class, studying acting, my, my teacher, um, he's like, I think you'd be a good director. Why don't you direct this play? And so I'm like, cool, I'm up for a challenge. So I did the play and it, it, uh, it was an original, like one act play and everybody seemed to really like it. And so another kid who was in class is like, I got five grand on my credit card. Do you want to turn this into a short film? And so I'm like, sure, we'll fuck around with that. Uh, <laughs> yeah. We're like early 20s. So we like did the thing. We rented a box band and got $1,000 worth of equipment and didn't sleep for like three days and just shot and shot as much as we could. And it came out well, got into LA Film Fest. And there was this weird wannabe producer guy who was on meth. I came to find out later. Oh, goodness. Uh, I, I want to make a movie with you, man. You're cool. And and do you want to write, direct, uh, and, and, and do this horror movie? And I'm like, sure. And he agreed to pay me a thousand bucks, never gave me the money. Uh, we made the movie for 30 grand, but then Lionsgate picks it up. Um, and then, so that's just like kept kind of happening. It's like, especially like, I didn't seek out low budget film at all. Like, I did not think that, but it's just like the way that the opportunities came, like all of a sudden people were making really tiny movies where we're like, can you please make more of these for me? And so it just kind of happened that way. My focus always kind of stayed on acting. But as I got older and people were asking me to do bigger budget stuff, I'm like, this is cool. I love working with great people and and producing these movies with Billy and Morgan Freeman. It's like that's the, that's uh that's satisfying and appealing in oh, a way. Sure. I still I still love doing everything, but um I like working with great artists and producing is is uh uh I have a whole slate of movies I can produce with great artists, so I'm gonna keep making them. Hell yeah. I think that's special though, because you know, you have you you have an idea of what you want your career to be. And this then this other thing kind of just I guess lands in your lap in a sense to where you're able to do these things and work with these people. So I think because this podcast is meant for the up and comers trying to break into the entertainment industry. So I think something they should take away from what you just said is to be open to everything, be open to new challenges coming your way because you can be very successful at doing different things that aren't just in front of the camera. So I think a lot of people will definitely take that away from what you just said, like I said. And I think I think it makes you better. Like even if you only want to be in front of the camera, it's like when I started producing, I was like, oh, I got to really learn screenwriting so right. that I identify what a great script is. And so I dove super heavy into that. Um, all self-taught, like seminars, reading, reading books by people um, and all that shit. And so, it, but it, it helped me be a better actor because I'm like, oh, there's like this, there's all these different characters which serve a purpose in the story, which I now understand. So now when I'm on page 38 and I'm either, whether I'm character A, B, C, or D, I know that the screenwriter's intention is for this to be happening to move the story along. So it kind of helps give you direction as an actor of where to, and also editing an edit as well. That also helps as an actor because you oh, know, for sure. you know what's going to happen. Yeah. And, and I mean, that's great. I, I feel like, as an actor, I feel like anytime you can get any experience behind the camera in any position, it's going to make you better at what you do. And I, I feel like, you know, you know, everybody should at least at once in their lifetime say, hey, I'm going to check this out or I'm going to check that out and, and learn how to do that. Ask questions, right? We tell everybody, if you're lucky enough to get on a set, ask questions, right? It, it, like find out as much as you can, learn as much as you can. It's an invaluable tool to be able to take with you no matter what you're trying to do in your career. So don't blow it by not asking if you want to know something. Um, I, th I think and that's fantastic. Say even on top of that, like, like ask questions and just say yes. Yeah. <laughs> say yes until it doesn't make sense anymore. Cause that's kind of like, you know, people would ask me to do things, even if I had zero experience, I would say yes. And then I go find 
the most reliable person in that department and ask questions. Yes. You know, there you like, go. hey, I said I was going to do this. Teach me what you know. Right, right. I, uh, I, yeah, love that. And, you know, one thing that, that popped out at me, like you said, as a producer, you get to work with all this incredible talent, right? As an actor, who knows if you ever get in a film with Morgan Freeman, but as a producer, you know, you could totally hire Morgan yeah. Freeman and be, right? So that, that's yeah, such a great totally. opportunity. So You can definitely create your own destiny. Oh, um, yeah. A little, like you have control over literally everything. It's like, how how much of a superhuman effort can you put in to make it happen? is really the limit. Um, That's right. Um, yeah. With, so, with acting, you're just, you're up to so many decisions. It's like, even as a producer or director, when I'm casting, when you get down to the callback phase, it's like any of these actors can play this role. It's like they got here. So they're definitely talented enough. It just comes down to like all these little things and, and a bunch of different opinions. And then sometimes it comes down to, well, it's like, oh, the executive producer, this guy knows him and he's his friend and he's calling him and he's, and it's like, so sometimes not even who the director or the producer thinks is best for the part ends up with the part because there's some kind of outside force, which is always mm. a different circumstance driving that decision. For sure. Now, as an actor, I got to ask, as somebody who's been in front of the camera and been on that side of it as an actor, are you an actor friendly producer director? Like, <laughs> or oh, just yeah. no? Yeah. Yeah. Cause yeah, you oh, know, oh, right. A hundred percent. Yeah. It's like in, yeah, because especially my dad was an actor. You know, so it's like I, I get I get the personality. I get what an actor needs in order to do their best work. You know what I mean? It's like they 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 are a royalty on set. And it's like acting's not hard in the way that producing's hard. Like it's not as laborious, mm -hmm. um, but it's hard in a sense that, that your confidence level and how you're feeling about everything is going to affect your performance on any given day. So it's like it should be everybody's job on production to treat there's like there's a reason why the procedures are which may seem silly to an outsider where it's like actors are treated a little bit like royalty because it's all going on camera and they need to feel they're all people right and so they have they're subject to ups and downs and what's up but they they need to be feeling as good as possible for the benefit of the whole movie oh most definitely most definitely well i want to talk about devil's peak the one you are on to promote and man oh man if you could because we watched the trailer and it's very gritty it's very like boom right there in your face if you could what is your elevator pitch if you got into an elevator with say i don't know like kevin feige or anybody uh, one of these big massive producers what would you how would you try to pitch this film it's a it's a very dark coming of age story mm. and i think in order to pitch the film you have to be like and I got Billy Bob to play exactly what right. I want Billy Bob to play, <laughs> exactly. which is a very dangerous redneck. It's like, that's the pitch because the story, it's like, that's what makes the, the thing interesting. It's like, I love the story itself. It's very eloquently written. It's like, it's almost like redneck uh, Shakespeare, like kind of like Deadwood or Appaloosa, the other movie that the writer has written. Um, but I think the cast and the performance is what brings it all together because the story is simple. It's crime. It's about a father-son relationship gone terribly wrong uh -huh. and and it's a coming of age story of this kid who's who's got everything working against him, including his father, who he works for, is withholding his wages so he can't leave the family business was his meth. Mm. And he's trying to escape from the most dangerous man in the world. Yeah. Which is Billy Bob <laughs> and his ex-wife Robin Wright. So it's like if 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 I'm in the elevator with them, I'm like, I got Billy Bob, I got Robin Wright. 
And if they like it, you're going to like it. That's my elevator pitch. I mean, (laughs) right? Because, I mean, the cast is just unreal. I I love, though, like a scary redneck meth guy, Billy Bob Thornton. Like, it doesn't get any better than that. When we saw it, like, the very first, when you see him pop up in the trailer, you're like, shit, that is, that smile, that is, like, creepy as shit, bro. So, and another thing that I liked is is kind of the opposite with with the cast. Casting is uh, Jackie Earl Haley, who's normally always the creepy bad guy, right? It's a good guy in this. He's a cop. I'm like, wait a minute, what? So that was really he, he cool. He might be a good guy. He might be. He might be <laughs> I love it. I love it. We'll see. So, but that was I'm good. Not, I lo- I love. He's a great actor too. So this is a phenomenal cast for sure. It it is great casting. It's like especially for young filmmakers. It's like the one thing that took me a while to learn, which I think is invaluable. It's like when you get a piece of material. I spend, just like as an actor, if I got a script, I'd spend a lot of time reading that, making sure I know my shit. It, it's the same thing as a producer. It's like, if I if I get a script, like it's easy, I'll back up saying that I get a lot of submissions being like, hey, I wrote this script and I think Brad Pitt is great for this role. It's like, cool. He has his own company, he's pretty busy, so <laughs> probably right. not gonna happen. Um, but not to say that it can't happen, but I try to really marinate on who's perfect for the material and who, who will think the material is perfect for them before mm. any offer goes out to any actor. Cause it's real easy to be like, Oh, if I can get uh miles teller attached to this, it's a, it's a slam dunk. So I'm going to submit this. But if you really think about it, like it might that, that role might not be in his first circle of casting or whatever it is. So I try to like really marinate on who is the ideal person, like not, not just casting wise, but like also like in their career, like Billy Bob can do anything he wants. But when you look at it, he hasn't done, what he was famous for in a while, like the sling blades, the U-turns, he played this kind of yeah. character. Like early in his career, he played this kind of character, but now he's, you know, he's lawyers. He can do anything. It was bad Santa, but he, but it's like, you look at it and you're like, he'd probably like to revisit something like this because he does it so well and it's been a minute. And so when you make the offer coming from a place of where you've kind of informed yourself, I think you stand a, a really good chance of attaching that person to it. Oh, for sure. And I think what, what this film provides to the audience and that connectability is being torn in many different directions because you can see on the son's face in the trailer like, okay, I know this is a bad situation. Literally everybody and their mother is telling me to get away from this guy who is my dad. But then at the same time, I still love him and I'm still trying to figure everything out. And and yeah, with the whole thing with the drug dealing and trying to get out and then punching the cop in the face and like all this shit, man. Like, I mean, it's so gritty, like I said in the beginning. But I think there's that connectability of, you know, being torn in many different directions and just trying to sit down and think about what to do next. So I think a lot of people will relate to that in that aspect. Yeah, yeah that's what it's about. That's about Hopper Penn, who plays Jacob the Kid. He uh, he does. A, he's very good at doing the James Dean brooding. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so. Uh, so. OK. Let, let's talk about you because you have a phenomenal cast, right? You know it's gonna it's gonna hit, it's gonna work. So now, as a producer, we're in this world of theatrical or streaming. So, with the producer cap back on, did you have intention? Like, are we only gonna go for the streamer here? Is this where we want to take it? Do we absolutely want a theatrical release, and we're only gonna accept that? Or did you always kind of envision? Because you're out in both, right? You, you were, yeah. you did do both. Did you did you know you always wanted to do both, or was there one that you were trying for and then got lucky to get both, or how did that all play out as the producer? I mean, it's 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 very tough as the producer, unless you're also the distributor to be able to 
and also unless you're a massive name in the space, right? To be able to delegate what, what kind of release you're going to get with the picture. And there's there's really two ways to produce an independent picture: is you can raise private money, right? And just make the movie and and say to yourself, "This we're going to make this the best we can." We're going to get a Sundance or Toronto, and Apple's going to make us a twenty five million dollar offer, and everybody's super happy about it, right? The statistical likelihood of that happening is extremely low. It's about 4%. Right. Um, so just make a movie with money and see a profit on that money. It's very low because I learned on the first movie I made like this, when I took it to the distributors, they were like, this is a cool movie. We didn't ask you to make it, so we'll give you about half of what you made it for. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, and that's kind of like that's what's going to happen unless – you're in a huge festival where you get this social proof and all of a sudden there's multiple people that want it. You really need multiple people that really want this movie right. in order to up the price for more than you made it for. Otherwise, people will say it's a good movie and we'll make money off of it, but only by giving you half of what you paid for. Um, now, I wish I could just take keep taking swings like that because it leaves everything open. Um, sure. The whole world and the, movies, the movie has the sky is the limit. The other way to do it is to pre-sell the movie to the degree that you can so that you have the the, the trade-off is is you have very little to no risk you're really your only risk is if it turns into man of la mancha and like all your equipment floats down the river fuck yeah <laughs> um, <laughs> so you have little to no risk it's like the the buyer it, it requires the buyer having some trust in you mm -hmm. that you're going to do what you say you're going to do um, and having some cast and it's like so we took so on this one it's like we got the the package together and we said we need $7 million to make this movie. And so we start talking to all the buyers all around the world in North America in Germany in France and saying, Hey, we got this. And then X company in France will say, we'll pay you 650 for that movie. 650,000 for that movie. The U S will say, we'll give you 2 million for that movie. And then, so you, you kind of do, it's not a bidding war. It's just the marketplace. Right. So you just talk to your friends and relationships of who will do what. And then you collect all those contracts and and that's just your collateral. So you have this stack of contracts from across the world. And you say, I got $7 million to make this movie. And then you take that to the bank like you're closing a house and they lend you the money. So that's the more, I'd say, common and responsible way to produce an independent movie. Yeah. The more wild ride by the seat of your pants is just like, let me raise a bunch of money, make the best movie I can. And let's hope for the best and see what happens. Um, so those are the two. Those are the two kind of strategies as an indie producer. Or you could take it to a studio or Netflix and see if they want to come on and they'll just buy you out. Then it's not an indie anymore. They'll be like, yeah, we'll give you your fee and you make us this movie and it's ours. Right, right, right. Yeah. Very interesting. And with having all of these different tasks and all of these different, you know, pressures, I guess you could say, mental health has been a lot really big for us uh, these past couple of years. So we like to incorporate that into our interview segments. And another aspect of it is working on dark, gritty projects like this and with the pressure of bringing producing. So how does mental health affect you and how do you how are you able to continue moving forward and making a great project like this? Yeah, you you really have to have a, a a certain mindset. I don't I don't think producing is for everybody because it's just it's it's such a stressful position. Yeah, that I feel like you have to be a pretty calm person in general to uh, not greatly reduce your lifespan by doing it. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so, but me, I mean, mental health is paramount for any task that you're doing. So I you know I I I like to think of my mind and my brain as separate and have one kind of. Uh, uh, audit the other and when things are getting a little hairy it's like I have my things that I know will be 
will be better, which is a big fat joint. No, (laughs) (laughs) sometimes it's that, but more it's like, I love nature and mountains. It's like, so if I'm ever getting, and I actually have a routine that I do every day. It's like, I know if I'm up at six and I'm in front of my computer, by the time it gets to one o'clock, I've been staring at the screen. I start getting antsy and anxious for no reason. Right. So I try to take out then and I live by some trails and I just take off and I'll run there. Even if it's just for 30 minutes, I come back, I'm like a new man. So it's like nature is like my church. And so I try to, if I'm, if I'm having problems, my routine is I go for a run or a walk or somewhere. I know that I'll come up with solutions. Mm. By the time I get back from that run, it's like, I thought of a bunch of shit on that run. Exactly. I'm like, okay, now I'm back. Yeah. Well, and, and, if, you stay, if you stay on a task, that's like hard, it's very hard to see the forest through the trees. Right. Exactly. So I must right. always take the discipline to step away and then it magically will come to me while I'm running. And, then play, and it could be something creative, like block, like writing something, or it can be a problem. Um, uh, some unforeseen problem that I'm dealing with. It's like just taking a minute away always helps. I I love that because I, I feel like not enough people disconnect, right? You need that disconnect every now and then just to regroup and get your shit together. And I also like routine. You're, you're, you're third, fourth, fifth, sixth person that we've talked to recently in the last couple of weeks. I said, we have a routine every day. I'm doing this, 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 and this. And I think that's important too, right? Because it, you do, it does keep you kind of on track with what you're kind of doing. Um, 100%. There's like a, there's a rhythm to life, right? It's like a musician practicing a piece of music. They have to play that one bar so many times to master it. Yep. And by the time they do, they don't have to think about it anymore. So it's like you have to, good or bad, everybody's going to fall into a rhythm. So it's like you have you have to you have to decide. Like I make all these crazy lists and shit, just trying to monitor the rhythm of the day so it's as productive as possible. Right. It's just as easy to slip into. Like I used to smoke a lot it's really easy to just slip into the rhythm of chain smoking and like doing shit it's like whatever you do is going to be the rhythm that your body adapts and that's what it's going to want right exactly and i feel like that is wholeheartedly great advice because like i said at the beginning it's all for the up-and-comers trying to break into it and different stories and different perspectives and different outlooks on how to approach thing is so freaking important but dude this oh is totally man like, when i was coming up i was constantly studying like i read so many biographies of just like trying to figure out what other people before me that i admired did yeah because to- if you ever get to that point where you think you know it all and you're done learning you're done i mean i, yeah. I just I, you got to oh. continue to grow the whole time there is no i know everything i, I mean that's just not possible so i love totally that. it's like there's this filmmaker who, who i won't name but I loved him. I thought he was so talented. He was such a good writer, but these were all micro budget movies. Mm, and right. I was like, this guy's got so much talent, but he wanted to be the smartest person in the room. Mm. And he was in that circle. Yeah. But, and I was young in my early twenties. As soon as I caught up to him, I, I, I recognized how talented he was, but he had no desire to move up to the next level and mm. do a movie that cost a million dollars. He's like, no, it's $300,000 is my jam. Yeah. And I want yeah. to be the smartest guy that everybody comes to. And I'm like, fuck that. Like, if I'm if I'm at the top, I want to go back to the bottom of the next. That's right. Exactly. I love that. The elevation, man. It's always there. It's always there. Well, something else that we've been asking our guests, and it's kind of like a a funner way to end our interview segments, is has anything embarrassing ever happened to you on set or just in life that at the moment you were so devastated and crushed by, but now you can look back on and laugh? Oh, shit. I have to think about that one. <laughs> <laughs> something embarrassing. Uh, my, my wife and I have a running joke because I'm. And, and I get this from my father. It's like I'm. I'm 
very hard to embarrass. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> there you anything go. I embarrass her and my kids more on purpose just to get their <laughs> reaction out of them. Yeah. It's like I can think of one thing, but it's boring. But I, I'm trying. I'm trying to think. Is certainly. I can remember the feeling of being embarrassed, but I'm trying to remember what it's from. Right, right. <laughs> One of the most embarrassing things which I can definitely look back on is was my first, like really my first gig on a network show, which is a show called Threat Matrix in 2006. Or mm-hmm. um, I'd done a bunch of indie movies, um, but I showed up and I had one line uh, and uh, and I could not get the fucking line. I was just nervous. <laughs> I was like, right. Yeah, I was probably 19. Um, but I just did not get the fucking line. And it was so embarrassing. I was pretty mortified on that day. But looking back now that I've done 130 something, it's like, it's pretty, it's pretty funny. And I try to, I try to be under, I finally got it and the scenes in the show and it turned out great. Right. But I try to be understanding like, should a, a greenish actor end up on set and do that? It's like, I, tr- I try to help them through it because of that. And oh, hopefully yeah. they only have so i can get him the fuck off set <laughs> dude so it's so amazing I, I i love that that's a great story um well look we got to tell everybody right devil's peak because like i said we got to make sure everybody watches this thing so it, it it it's had its theatrical release it's on uh video on demand right now tell everybody where they can find it yeah it just uh i actually just i forgot it was coming out on video on demand today and yeah. i saw them on on amazon so I haven't looked at the other sites, but from what I understand, it's Amazon, Apple TV, like Hulu, you can find it anywhere. I also thought they were going to be charging like the exorbitant amount for it, like 30 bucks, because that's what they told me. But you can rent it for 99 <laughs> Oh, nice. fantastic. They even yeah. better. And it's still in theaters. So I'm going to go check it out in Glendale at some point this weekend. Hell yeah. Uh, but where are you guys at? Where are you based? Oh, uh, we're in North Carolina right now, just outside Charlotte. So. Oh, right on. Yeah, yeah. man. Yeah. I, I saw Banshee there. I loved. I love being in Charlotte. Oh, fantastic! Yeah, it's and it's booming right now. It's picking up. It's getting a lot of uh, Fila slipover from Georgia, where and, and I mean it's really booming right now. It's a good little place. Yeah, one of my favorite things to do over there is that whitewater rafting facility. Oh, hell yeah! yeah. <laughs> that yeah. Training thing. Yeah, that was so yeah. much fun. Oh, absolutely. I think I went there like two or three times in one month. I was like, this place. <laughs> <laughs> right and it's crazy how big it is and how much of like an event like people come here just specifically for that yeah it's cool as hell. I, was like, I wish i had something like that by my house oh for sure um, man but yeah so it's it's in theaters still and it's it was released on uh, vod today so fantastic man fuck yeah. yeah well you know it's all about social media now so where can people follow you we want to direct everybody towards your way uh it's my name uh on facebook on twitter it's griff I think it's underscore first um, Instagram. Those motherfuckers still have not verified me. So there's like six accounts. Uh, <laughs> it's the one with the most posts is me. Okay. Uh, <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. We'll make sure we do. We tag the right one. We'll, we'll get you. Don't worry. Okay. Cool. cool. Listen, dude, this has been just a fantastic interview. I think you dropped a lot of valuable knowledge for anybody trying to get into it. Like I said, we always love talking to people and hearing their perspective about the, the path that they chose and how they do it. Um, and open invite, man. Anytime you want to come back and talk and shoot the shit, even if it's not about a project, just come on in and join, have the party, man. Uh, open yeah, invite. And, and open invite accepted. I mean, you guys can literally hit me up, uh, Anytime and just be like, jump on. I'll I'll talk with him. And this was quick. We're good. Yeah. Hell yeah. Fantastic. It's a good mental break from what I was doing too. So exactly. That's what it's all about, bro. That's what it's all about. (laughs) Listen, take care, and uh, we'll be talking to you soon, man. All right. Thanks, y'all. Bye. All right, man. Take care. Man, oh man, what a great guy. I love talking to producers. Mm-hmm. They're just different beasts. They are. Right? But I, I I tell you, and we don't dive into it a whole lot. And so I'm really glad that he did about 
how a movie gets made, the mm-hmm. distribution aspect of it, and the options that you have. Even was dropping numbers about the reality of yeah. the options. Because people don't realize, you don't just pick up a camera, make it, and it's in the theater. Exactly. That's a whole thing, you know? And, and so I love that he dropped that knowledge. Because I'm sure our listeners out there, there's a lot of you guys that want to be a producer, want to be the guy behind bringing it all together. And now you know. Not necessarily the easiest thing to do, exactly. but you know, if you're in and you got the passion, you can be successful like Griff and you know, it's just fantastic. For sure, man. For sure. Thank you again, Griff, for coming on the show. 